ऑडियो हॉप पॉडकास्ट दिस इज द विस्की एडवाइजर शो ऑन दिस शो वी सैंपल सम फाइन विस्कीज शेयर इंटरेस्टिंग टेल्स एंड ट्रिविया एंड आंसर योर मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंट क्वेश्चन अबाउट विस्की एंड नाउ हेयर्स योर होस्ट द विस्की एडवाइजर उदय बालाजी Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Whiskey Advisor show. We've been bringing you some of the world's finest whiskies week after week, and I really hope that you started to find some whiskies that you're really enjoying, or maybe some old whiskies that you're starting to see in a new light. So I'm joined again today by someone whose nights are now spent dreaming of drams of whiskey, the whiskey rook Piyush. Hi Uday and thanks for having me on the show. I mean Uday not just drams of whiskey, I've even started dreaming of Scotland even though I haven't been there. Ah, uh, you're not the only one, but uh, we must plan a visit for you soon, then, Piyush. But after today's episode, you'll definitely want to head over to Spacehead for a distillery visit. I wonder what this could be. Please tell us more. Ah, uh, so today we head to the Balvany. So here, not only is the whiskey fantastic, but that distillery tour is considered to be one of the best. So the Balvany is a sister distillery to Glenfiddich. Mm-hmm. and it's actually in the same complex and it was built by the grants family mm-hmm. uh we saw in our glenfiddich episode about the grants so you know we'll keep that story for back then but what uh, william grant did was he went and bought a small field near balvany castle okay and uh, there was a house on it called balvany house and in 1892 he started work on the distillery mm-hmm. and opening a year later in 1893 when they did the first distillation So why I talk about this Balvany Castle and this Balvany House and all, it's a very quaint old um, setting, which is partly why it's a wonderful tour in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So another thing I forgot to mention there was when uh, I talked about the setting up of the distillery, is a very interesting story that the original stills in the Balvany distillery were actually from two distilleries. Okay, one was Glen Albyn. which mm-hmm. has been closed for a long time mm-hmm. and the other one is a very famous distillery that we all know called Lagavulin okay okay that said you have mentioned a number of times that having access to bali and you know a good source of water are critical to any distillery's success no doubt about that piyush so the water source you remember i told you during the lenfidic episode that mm-hmm. if you go to the distillery on the side of the distillery there'll be a tap where you can drink yeah, the water yeah. from the robbie do spring so it's the same spring that Uh, provides water even for the balvany okay apart from that since you brought up bali balvany is the only distillery in the scottish highlands it still grows and malts a proportion of its own barley oh okay okay so but you know the balvany doesn't have any great deep stories and um, you know big tales because one the grants family is not controversial or anything like that mm-hmm. and both glenfiddich and balvany have always been in the family's hands okay so the main reason why the balvany distillery is probably not known as well as glenfiddich is it was widely used in grants blends mm-hmm. so and what happened was because the blends were in such high demand in uh, 1990 there was an additional building added to uh, the balvany complex that had a set of stills and its own equipment and it came to be known as the kininvi distillery ah okay 
So after Kenan V uh, came online, that was focused mainly on the blends and a little more of the Balvenie um, bottlings were seen on the market as single malts. But very recently, there's the Elsa Bay Distillery was opened in the south of Scotland, mm-hmm. which is a really large industrial complex. It's putting out a lot of malt for the Grants blends. So now you see it so many Balvenie bottlings. And also, there's at least I've come across one Kininvi bottling. Okay. So I haven't tried it yet, but really looking forward to trying that one. But folks, if you remember in the episode that we uh, tasted the three whiskies, the Glenfiddich 12, the Monkey Shoulder and the Grants, the Monkey Shoulder has some Kininvi in it for sure. So, you know, you said earlier that the distillery tour is one of the best. Why did you say that? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, so what happens is they give you a very, um, you know, good overview of the whiskey making process, obviously mm-hmm. in a beautiful setting. Uh, so I was looking at the website earlier and they call it the five rare crafts. Okay. That's obviously, you know, a certain amount of marketing, but I'll just use that as kind of like a proxy to talk about uh, mm-hmm. why the distillery tour is special. One is the barley, the homegrown barley that I was telling you about. So this field surrounding the area and uh, the malting flow is the second one that they uh, talk about as one of the rare crafts. So you actually get to see this flow malting process, Mm -hmm. which is really going on only in a handful of distilleries in Scotland now. And of course, you see those beautiful copper stills, unique shape, giving, uh, you know, the whiskey is certain very distinctive Balvini flavor. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important thing that you get to see at the Balvini is the cooperage. A cooperage is the place where you make the casks or repair the casks. Okay. And, uh, you know, none of the distillery tours really in Scotland have a cooperage that you see. You need to typically go and see like the Speyside cooperage if mm-hmm. you want to see mm-hmm. the casks being, uh, you know, recharged or made or fixed or whatever it is. Uh, so that's a very interesting thing to see at uh, the Balvenie. And uh, the fifth rare craft is they talk about their malt master. Mm-hmm. And we see every bottle of Balvenie, it'll have his name and signature on it. Uh, David Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has uh, an MBE, which is the most ex- distinguished uh, order of the British Empire. Okay. And he's been at the distillery since uh, 1962. So oh. think about it, he's edging okay. up almost uh, 60 years now. Okay. That sounds uh, like, a you know, it's a must-do when you are visiting Speyside. Absolutely. That's what I've heard. Uh, unfortunately, because I really wanted to go and see that Solera vatting, like I spoke about at Glenfiddich, I didn't get to go to Balvenie due to lack of time. But next time, for sure. But how about tasting some of the Balvenie now, Piyush? Absolutely. Could you do the honors? Sure. Slanja. Slanja. So we're tasting the Balvini 12 triple mm. cask today. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a travel retail exclusive mm-hmm. for a change rather than the, uh, ideally I would have liked to have tried the 12 double cask, which has been almost around for 25 years mm-hmm. and is considered the classic Balvini. Maybe we'll do another episode with that. So what color are you getting, Piyush? Uh, I'm getting... I'm getting deep copper. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm getting as well. Let's get to that visual texture, people. Quite viscous. Yeah, it's viscous. The legs are coming down very slowly. Mm-hmm. Let's 
head into the nose. What notes are you getting? Uh, I'm getting a fruity note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, very strong orangish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, punch to it. I'm getting uh, some some traces of milk chocolate. Let's take a sip. Uh, maybe some woody nature to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. A bit yeah, of spice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's about it. How about the mouth feel? It was full. It was feeling rich, full. Mm-hmm. It was feeling round. Okay. And the finish? Uh, finish uh, is a bit longer. It's lingering mm-hmm. still. So I'm feeling a bit warm. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, the aftertaste is, I could say, it's spicy for me. It leaves behind a few spices. Okay. Got you. Let me just quickly uh, say why this is a triple cask. And I'll read right off the uh, uh, bottle itself. So what it says is an exquisite marriage of the balvenie matured for 12 years in three different cask types, mm-hmm. which is Oloroso Sherry Butts. So okay. that's a Sherry Butt that gives you that kind of that spice and mm-hmm. uh, some intense sweetness as well. First fill bourbon barrels, it gives you a little bit of that caramel, a little bit of that chocolate that you spoke about. And uh, traditional whiskey casks. Um, traditional whiskey casks for me uh, can only really mean, again, you know, uh, Bourbon barrels, ex-bourbon barrels. But yeah, that's the terminology used. Let me just quickly get into my notes. So for me, uh, the visual texture was definitely a little, uh, definitely above medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, the color was about amber to deep gold. And the nose was distinct honey. There's a very sweet malty whiskey with uh, wooden undertones, oak undertones, Mm -hmm. apricots. Apricots is definitely a key element of this. And there's a little bit of that cherry influence that I'm getting on the nose. Uh, The palate, fruity for sure. Again, that apricot and sweet maltiness and honey definitely comes through. But there's a little more spice on the palate, probably from the sherry influence, which is a little bit of oakiness, a little bit of that cinnamon, uh, but quite mild, you know, it's very well-rounded. And uh, finish about medium I'd mm-hmm. say uh, and again some of that toffee slash uh, chocolate and uh, sweet oak and this would definitely fall in the fruity and spicy flavor camp we hope you've enjoyed the episode so far but before we go ahead here's a word from our partner enjoying this podcast you can also catch this and 200 plus such podcasts on Karva 2.0 with BBC India Film Companion, Open Mic Poetry, Sadhguru Isha Foundation, Indian Classical Renditions by the Greatest Maestros, Stories, Rhymes and GK for your kids. Oh, and did we mention the 5,000 preloaded songs and 100 plus unique playlists every day? To know more, go to www.saregama.com now. And we're back. Let's continue. So, you know, when I described the whiskey, didn't it sound a little bit like a nice kind of all-round, you know, it's got a little bit of the sweet, little bit of the spice, yeah. nice mouthfeel. Yeah. Uh, so, that was one of the reasons why I chose this whiskey to be uh, the whiskey of choice at uh, my wedding. Ah, okay. 
Yeah, so a lot of Balvenie was drunk at my wedding. So these days, as soon as I open, I open a bottle of Balvenie twelve, particularly uh, the triple cask, or even the double wood, for that matter, I start getting you know, kind of um, wedding nostalgia. Ah, uh, okay. And and it's one of the things you know. Again, I was talking about Indian context where we uh, put in ice and soda, you know, just because of the weather. Mm-hmm. This whiskey is robust enough to stand up to, you know, ice and uh, soda, but also it pleases a very wide spectrum of people. So if I went and put in like a very heavily sherried whiskey or a very peaty whiskey, there would have definitely been some section of the audience that you know probably wouldn't have liked it as much. So it's a very pleasing profile. and another whiskey you know if you don't want to go with something very light for a beginner this is a very interesting one to give them particularly someone with a little bit of a sweet tooth those are good memories to have oh absolutely absolutely so now let's dive into the whiskey range yeah getting into the whiskey range uh there are four categories it's quite a long uh, list of bottlings that they have uh, so the first category would be the core which has a 12 double wood i mentioned earlier that you know that's the one has been around for 25 years or more mm-hmm. uh, the caribbean cask 14 which mm. is uh, rum cask matured okay uh, double wood 17 and the porto 21 that's again finished in port mm-hmm. and the balvenie 30 and 40 okay so there are two more uh, categories one is called the stories which is very recently uh, released one is called the sweet taste of american oak very obvious yeah matured in american oak yeah uh 12 years old and you have the week of peat this one what happens is a lot of the distilleries at the end of the year they have to clean out the distillery and clean out their systems so balvenie what they've been doing is they've been running a batch of peated barley for one week of the year for a few years now and this is that batch of peated whiskey from balvenie okay. which is put out as a 14 year old release okay i've had uh, what was called the peat week before and it's a lovely whiskey mm-hmm. i haven't had this range uh, sounds interesting should definitely give it a shot but it's a third one in the stories range that i feel find really uh, interesting so it's called a day of dark barley it's a 26 year old whiskey okay. and it's made with uh, roasted malt Mm-hmm. So you remember the signet that I spoke yeah. about in Glenmorangie. Yeah, yeah. So that's also whiskies from five to twenty-five years old. So it has some old whiskies in it, and made with some roasted malt. So it, I'd be quite keen to compare the day of dark barley and signet to see how it is. You know, do they have similar profiles? What's going on there? Mm-hmm. And uh, then they have a crafts category, which has a few single barrels, twelve, fifteen, and twenty-five, and then the travel retail. which is what we had today the triple cask 12 as well as uh, 14 16 25 and 21 the 14 also being a peated release and the 21 being uh, finished in madeira casks which okay. again is a very nice whiskey that's something that uh, my folks bought for my uncle for his 50th birthday if i'm not wrong okay wow. so i definitely got to try some of that uh so what would i recommend i'd say you know look out for that double wood 12 to get that distinct balvenie character and uh, just because we have not talked much about uh, rum cask matured whiskey give the caribbean cask a shot if you uh, come by it 
Uday, that was quite a range of whiskies. And now, you know, shall we get into the Q&A? Yeah, let's do it. The first question is from Mridul Kalra. And he asks, can we and how do we put an age statement on Indian whiskey since whiskey ages faster in India? Uh, so the first part is, can we? Yes, we can. Uh, look at the greedy angels from Amrut, for example. How do we put an age statement on Indian whiskey? Uh, so I guess what you're referring to is because uh, people say that, you know, one year in India is like three or four in Scotland. Um, that's subjective. Uh, but the thing is, if it's one year in India, it's one year in India. So that's all you can put on the bottle in terms of age statement. Um, is it a similar aging uh, to India and Scotland in terms of that one year being three to four years? I don't really think so because there's a different interaction with the wood and there's a different uh, kind of robust flavor profile that Indian whiskies have. Yeah. So again, like I always say, Look at the flavor, don't get too caught up with, you know, non-age statement, age statement and things like that. And the next question is from Mithun Kumar, aka Mithun underscore Demi. Which whiskey brand is good for the Indian climate? Wow, uh, that's a really, really broad question. Um, but I'd say perhaps, you know, lighter whiskies like Ballantines and uh, Speyside whiskies on the surface of it. And those are what have been popular for the longest time. But, you know, there are so many seasons across India and the way you drink it also makes a lot of difference. My thing is you find the whiskies that uh, you enjoy, you know, the flavor profiles that you enjoy and then drink it in whichever way you want given that particular climate, you know, whether you want to drink it neat or on ice or with soda or even in a cocktail. Just chase the flavors. And the next question is from Raman Yeole. How do you categorize the whiskey quality and justify its cost? Also, what is the assurance of purity? That is a very, very interesting question. Um, Raman, every country has a certifying body that uh, regulates the quality of whiskey. Uh, some countries have more stringent regulations than others. But at the end of the day, uh, the key you know, is to decide how much you're willing to spend and then learn about the whiskies in that range and what goes into them. And, uh, you know, buy the ones that you're comfortable uh, with in terms of quality and uh, flavor. And the last question is from Siddharth Krishna Duvedi. And his question is, to someone new to Isla whiskies, what would be recommended, single malt or blend? Um, I would probably recommend going with a blend uh, because it won't be as uh, aggressive or heavily peated, generally speaking, uh, as a single malts. I assume that you're talking about a heavily peated whiskey. Uh, maybe you can start with a black label or a double black. Uh, they have uh, Kalila in them as the malt which gives the PT profile. And maybe the next step would then be to try a Kalila. And then, uh, you know, the Lefroigs and the Artbegs. Why you wouldn't start with a Lefroig or an Artbeg typically for a person getting into it is they have such a strong PT profile. You really don't want to put them off. Yeah? Cheers. So that's it for our episode on the Balvini folks. Let us know what you think of it when you try your first dram. Uh, next week, we'll stay on in Speyside to visit another legendary distillery. In the meantime, please send in your questions and comments via email, Instagram or Facebook and we'll answer as many as we can. All our handles are at the end of the show. Till then, drink well 
and drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to learn more about whiskey and Uday's work, visit thewhiskeyadvisor.com. You can send in your questions to us on uday at thewhiskeyadvisor.com or Instagram or Facebook at thewhiskeyadvisor. That's whiskey without the e. The show was brought to you by Audio Hop Podcasts. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Audio Hop Podcasts. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep your spirits up and drink responsibly.